and welcome to the Cincy Slangin' Bearcat Podcast. I'm Coomer, joined as always by Hummer. Hummer, what's up, buddy? This one goes out to the man. I mean, it's for everybody. Don't get me wrong. Bearcat fans everywhere revel in this victory. But it is truly an honor to witness the greatness at which Jerome Ford produced against the Citronauts of middle directional Florida. Four touchdowns. At one point, he had 177 more yards on the ground than central directional Florida had for the entire game. Guy was an absolute unit for the Cincinnati Bearcats. Absolute unit. Wow. Uh, what can I say? Great are game. you gonna, Are you not going to say your punchline? Are you not going to? You're just going to forget. You're going to go on such a tangent that you're going to forget your punchline. That's happening right now. I, I I wanted to. I gave it out to. It was a great day to be Jerome Ford. All right. It was a great day to be a Bearcat fan, but even better day to be Jerome. Ford. He is on our team. All right. I'm glad we snatched him away from Alabama, who now wants us. Okay, they want to play us. All right, he's playing for us. And look, guy was a stud. Jerome Ford is up to 705 yards, 12 touchdowns, 49 yards receiving. How many touchdowns in the air? I would say (laughs) it looks like he's not going to be our leading touchdown receiver this season, Hummer. (laughs) Much to your disappointment. Um, But he's... He's been an absolute unit. I think you described him that way. And his first half performance uh, was was one for the ages. It's one we're going to remember and talk about and think about. And, and we're going to send the clips and the highlights and the and the uh, and the box scores to the interwebs for the rest of time, especially when we continue to play our, our new Big 12 rival into the future. Um, Central Florida is going to have to live with this performance uh, for the rest of their lives. And I don't think it's a coincidence that going into this game between the 2021 Cincinnati Bearcats and the 2021 Central Florida Golden Knights, it doesn't seem like a coincidence that this was the week to talk about how their 2017 team would match up against the 2021 Bearcats. Folks, when that happens, that happens to be a tell that your opponent that week truly stands no chance. And, and I got to say, Hummer, it felt really, really good to finally see things click on all cylinders in the first half and to take a 35, I guess it was 35-7 lead into halftime uh, over, over a, a team that is, has been competitive in the past in the American Athletic Conference, has been loud, has been vocal, has, has been, you know, I would say, almost elitist in terms of how they view themselves to the rest of the American Athletic. And it just proved to be all noise. Uh, the Bearcats absolutely destroyed, pummeled, dominated, maimed uh, the Central Florida Golden Knights. And it felt really, really good as a fan. My favorite moment of the game happened at approximately 1.21 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. 
I sent you a text message that said Ford will break one loose. At 1.22 p.m., I sent you a text. I said, what did I just say? What did I just say? I'm watching the game. I'm watching them do the replays. After you come back from the commercial break or whatever, you know, and they're showing Ford. And you keep seeing them just kind of get there, kind of get there, getting taken down the last second. Just felt it. That was one of my favorite plays of the game. Uh, but the defense, man, I, I mean. Well, we, yeah. need to lead, we need to lead off. We need to talk about the defense for sure. We also need to make sure we're giving Ford his proper due and talking about him at length. Let me keep gushing over Ford. I'll keep keep, gushing. Keep gushing over Ford because I think it's interesting watching him. He feels like one of the most dangerous running backs in the country at this point. And I don't don't think that's hyperbole. Anytime he gets the ball in his hands, it's it's his ability with these jump cuts. It's his ability to be physical and play through contact and not go down on the first tackler. And he happens to be the fastest man on the field pretty much at all times. So you put the combination of physicality, of elusiveness, quickness, and you add that to Ferrari speed. Jerome Ford is a dangerous, dangerous man, and it and it makes the Bearcats offense that much more of a threat and, and that much more unstoppable going forward because all of the sudden, as we evolve and grow as a team throughout the season, we're going to finish up here with a, a run-first Jerome, for, Jerome Ford-based offense that is then countered with Des Ritter, Heisman Trophy candidate, and Alec Pierce, and Trey Tucker, and Michael Young, and Wiley, and Taylor. Like it's getting the amount of the amount of uh, talent and explosiveness on this offense is scary, and it really does start with Ford at this point. Ford does for for Ritter what Ritter's legs do for everything else in Ritter's game, the passing game. He just opens up potential and opens up options. And I think you hit the nail on the head there. The thing that we're seeing from Ford this year, he is, a, he is the, what they call in the NFL, we call him cowbell, right? He's the, he's, he's the guy, the bell we're, cow, the bell cow, the bell cow running back Jerome Ford. He's getting the bulk of the carries, but he's, he's earning them. But his vision his ability to, he, he's kind of that, like, he almost reminds me a little bit of uh, Gio, uh, Giovanni Bernard, you know, with, with being able to be patient, wait for the lane to open up, and then takes off. He has this explosive speed that he can just, off that cut, just that first cut, he's, he's, he's a madman. Giovanni he's Bernard wishes he had Jerome Ford's explosiveness, though. He wishes he had the ability to plant and cut and then burst up field like Jerome Ford has. This speed, it's unique. He's the fastest man on the field, Hummer. It's it's how how, crazy. Past, how high is his is his draft stock rising? I mean, I was I think we were chatting about this. I think it's obviously running backs don't really get taken in the first round as often these days. I know you see, you know, Najee Harris with the Steelers. There's a few examples out there. Um, you know, the Clemson running back Etienne went to Jacksonville. His talent, his explosiveness, his athleticism, his his production on the field. It all it's all starting to feel a lot more like a third round, maybe second round. He's going to be a high, high draft pick. Like this is a this is a legitimately talented dude with the prototypical build for an NFL back. Um, maybe maybe teams want to see him do more in the passing game. But man, he's he is something else. He is he's unstoppable. It's not normal to break 70 yard runs again and again and again and again. Ever since that Peach Bowl second half run Jerome Ford has been absolutely unstoppable for us. Yeah. I don't think we'll stop 
uh, he's going to continue to break break these runs, especially against as as we know the lack the lack thereof competition that we provided by the American Athletic Conference so far. Um, but he's been something special. I mean, he's averaging seven yards per carry. He's already at twelve touchdowns. We're little, not quite halfway through the season because um, you know we're going to play fourteen games this year. Um, you know we're we're going to definitely be in fourteen games this year, so we're about to approach the halfway point of the season. Um, I've already he's not, started. In he's my not head, overworked. I mean, like the game log is attempts per game: 12, 18, 20, 17, 15, 20 In this game, granted, twenty was in the first half. It kind of shows you like what can happen, though. Can you imagine that running back beating up on a team for four quarters? If Central Florida had had lived in the fantasy land that their fans thought they lived in and actually stayed with us throughout oh, we'll, the entire we'll get game, to that. we'll get to the fantasy <laughs> land of UCF fans here. But <laughs> how many how many 60, 70, 80 yard runs is Jerome Ford breaking in the fourth quarter of that game when their defense is still trying to to, to tackle this man? It's impossible. He's 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 an impossibility. Um, and and his just he's his productiveness is making us that much more dangerous offensively. But we had 336 yards on the ground. Uh, Montgomery was tearing them up when he was when he was in the game game late. Uh, I don't know. I think that's more of a at the end of the game, maybe UCF just kind of quitting because you're just getting your ass absolutely handed to you. Uh, but enough can't be said about Jerome Ford. I mean, it's tough. I, I know I, I said this on Twitter. Maybe but is Jerome Ford for Heisman question mark? Uh, you know, it would seem like he has some, there's some conversation maybe to be had there, but you brought up an interesting point and said, let's go look back at like a Derrick Henry 2015 season and the numbers that he threw up because it is going to be harder for a running back. Like you have to absolutely dazzle as a running back to outshine your quarterback. You've got to overcome right? narrative. You've got to overcome narrative and the sexiness that is the quarterback position. So Derrick Henry stats 2015. 2,219 yards, 28 rushing touchdowns, which it's not impossible to get there, yeah. Ford, but we got some work to do. We need some more four TD games here. <laughs> Ford has six more regular season games and he's got regular season games left against Navy, Tulane, Tulsa, USF, SMU, and East Carolina. And probably Ohio state and Georgia, or Alabama. Yeah. Two, two touchdowns per game. In the regular season, that's not including the American Championship game. That's not including bowl games, which which wouldn't factor in a Heisman anyway. But he that man would that would get him to twenty four touchdowns. His his productiveness. I mean, he's got an outside chance here at at middle twenties touchdowns, and his yardage obviously can be run up too against this competition. I think going into American Athletic play, we sort of expected Des Ritter to see his stats benefit the most. But it's become clear that we we very obviously have a physical advantage on every team in this conference. When you look at what we did to Temple and then we treated you, you, uh, Central Florida even worse in this game, there is not we are not the same type of team as these other programs in the American Athletic. We are going to dominate you. We are going to push you around on the field. We have better athletes across the board. There's a there's this funny story about. I think Lane Kiffin at one point went on the Levitard show and was telling the story about being an assistant on Alabama. And in every single game, Alabama went into the game knowing that we have better players than you at every single position on the field, which is just a, a remarkable mental advantage to have on your competition saying, 
you know, we're just going to outgun you. We're already outmanning you. So now you have to figure out a way to, to compensate for having worse players as well as, you know, an, an inferior staff, because we also have a coaching staff that is made up of some of the best in the world. Um, we're going into every game in the American athletic conference, knowing that Luke fickle and his coaching staff are going into every single game against Navy, Tulane, Tulsa, whoever, SMU, we're going into every game knowing we are better than you at every single position. What are you going to do about it? Uh, keep it coming. Uh, keep keep that narrative coming. I, I like that. I like what you're saying there. It makes a lot of sense. Uh, you know, when you look at where we are today within the conference, you know, Temple scored three points. Uh, UCF for a while actually didn't look like they were going to score points. Uh, you know, they did come out in the second half and put together, put together a nice drive that, that did result, did result in some points. I wasn't uh, alone though. in hoping that we somehow figured out a way to like win 63, nothing. Right. Uh, I was sort of, I was envisioning yeah. this world. Like the, the, we're going to start transitioning here to talking about the defensive performance in the first half in particular, because the way they played the energy, the speed, the ferocity, it was evident that they, they held a grudge. Like there seemed to be a grudge in this game and we're going to make you feel us on the field. And it felt like this team really was going to try and shut them out and, and just punish them by 60 points. <laughs> I was hoping just because, and I don't want to harp on it too much, but I think you now it's appropriate time to get into it. Uh, we've been called very nasty things. Not you and I in particular, you know, not, not as individuals, but the fan base as a whole uh, was, was called really, really mean and nasty things. You know, they hurt our feelings. These, these citronauts, they called us cocky. Uh, they called us arrogant. Um, you know, they, they called us mean and not nice and just Mr. Behind the keyboard. Uh, you know, my name's Ryan Hummer. All right. And I'm putting my name to these statements. Okay. Uh, take your loss and eat it. All right. Enjoy it. All right. Nom, 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 nom. Sack lunch here. Uh, the UCF fans are at least on the tw in Twitter and let's face it. Twitter isn't where the all reality resides. I know not every UCF fan is like this. There's only a, a handful actually of them who, who basically make up the loud mouth. That is the, the most ridiculous Twitter fan base in the world. Who still thinks that 2021, 2017 still matters. Okay. It doesn't just ask Ed Oregon. He's been fired <laughs> after winning or Oregano, whatever we want to call him. Or Sharon. Or Sharon, <laughs> two years removed from an, an, an SEC, you know, from a, oh, national, a national championship, championship is now going to be let go. They clearly um, don't sir, care. Sir, they're, they are separating. They are agreeing separating. to separate. Agreeing to separate. Cool. Tell whatever, call it whatever you want for the kids. They're getting divorced. <laughs> two years removed from winning the ultimate prize for any university athletics department. No one cares about your 2017 fake championship. No, you did not pave the way for us. We were winning automatic qualifying championships while you were still in conference USA, you tiny little ants. Okay. No one cares. We don't care. We're moving on. You know why we play Navy next. We have a goal undefeated season. Right crash the party win a national championship we don't care anymore you're done you're crushed 56 21 take your l enjoy it okay it, moving on it was a short few weeks ago when 
we were watching Dylan Gabriel throw a pick six against Louisville to lose. You know, unfortunately, he broke his collarbone shortly thereafter, which it certainly sent Central Florida's season into much more of a tailspin than it was already in. Again, he threw a pick six to lose against Louisville. Um, Say that one but, more time. But he threw Dylan Gabriel, uh, Mr. Clutch, Mr. <laughs> I'm trying to be sarcastic, but frankly, uh, Mr. Manages to always come up short as at the end of a game. Um, quite quite the contrary to what our quarterback tends to do. Um, but he threw that pick six to lose against Louisville. But it was after that game that a lot of the buzz online, at least from from Central Florida folks, was, you know, let's this season is, is all about the Cincinnati game and crashing their season and playing spoiler and upsetting them. And our team went out there and ripped their hearts out in the first quarter. They ripped their hearts out in the first quarter, made them want to quit, showed them from, from the start of the game, three and out, three and out, three and out, punishing hit uh, to Sean Pace, laying out their quarterback on their first th third down play of the game. Just, just being everywhere on the field in a punishing, violent, and, and just nonstop, relentless fashion, that led to, to Central Florida realizing in that exact moment, oh, our season really is over. And we're playing for middle-of-the-pack American athletic team, and there's no sign of the Cincinnati program stopping. We are, we are being sunned. We are being... Uh, put back into our sent back to our room uh, where we need to clean up the mess and, and write on the chalkboard a hundred times. I will stop calling out Cincinnati. Look at, at the end of the day, let's take it as a compliment, right? We, we beat Notre Dame and their fan base knows nothing else, but to, you know, say that they lost the game, that, that Notre Dame beat themselves, right? Cincinnati didn't beat Notre Dame, Notre Dame beat Notre Dame. You know, that's just their defense mechanism. Temple, you know what? I don't really think anybody except for the five people on the temple message boards actually thought they were going to win that game. So look, there is no defense mechanism. UCF, they get their heart stomped, their souls crushed. Uh, you know, they, they can't relive. They're not reliving the glory days. They're reverting to a defense mechanism, which is to, you know, remember those days that were good. Don't want to think about the one season that they had that was maybe magical or memorable. Um, so, I take this as a compliment that we're so thoroughly destroying competition that they have to find ways to cope with these losses and look, let them have it. Just let them have it because you know what? I remember when we got beat twice in one season, don't really want to recall this. I'm not going to get into specifics of these games, but we lost to Houston in basketball, not football by 40 where you score points one, two, and three at a time, not seven, not six, seven. All right. We lost by 40 twice. And what did we do? We internalized it. We had to find ways to rationalize. We had to find ways to deal with it. And it was painful. We had to cope. We actually had a doing? meltdown on the podcast. We had and, a meltdown. Uh, <laughs> we speculated, so we speculated that our coach might not be uh, cut out for the job and maybe he needs to be fired. And, and, and turns out that that's actually what happened, but I do believe there was some melting down involved. And you make a good point. The opposing teams in the American Athletic Conference, the same way they go into these games, the players go into the games and the coaching staff goes into these games, they know that they are overmatched. Fan bases do too. And there's, you still want to have fun. You still want to talk about things. So you just make things up. 
I would hope that that we're not taking a page out of their book and just trying to create hypothetical matchups in the future as a way of uh, changing the conversation from what's happening this year in the future. But I'll say this. I mean, we are trying to find a way to manufacture ways to talk about this team in an interesting way as they rip their way through a conference that is simply undermanned. These games have no intrigue. These games, Temple and, and UCF, I mean, we're pumping ourselves up every week based on rivalries or based on being slighted on Twitter or whatever the case may be, we have more interest at this point in what a, you know, what a, uh, a closed room committee thinks about our team's performance and whether we won by 42 points or 38 points and how they're going to interpret that versus the actual football on the field. I mean, this is an interesting, weird, strange position to be in at this point where our team is just so clearly better than everybody we're going to play the rest of the season. Look, they, they give that stat that, and I don't know what, exactly what the percentage is of like the likelihood that you finish the season undefeated. And all I can tell you is if you're a UC fan, all of us fans out there, we know that that, that number, whatever you throw out there, if it doesn't start with a one followed by two zeros, that number's too low. Like there is no way that we are going to lose any of these remaining American athletic conference games. It's not going to happen. Like, so like in my mind, yeah, it, you have to try to, you're struggling to find narrative because like next week at Navy, the lines already come out. It's like, we're 27 point favorites. This is what it feels like, honestly, to be Alabama where you're just favored to just beat everybody every game. But to be so people, fair people right now, we're going to try to find, they're going to try and find the weakness is what they're going to try and do. They're going to poke and prod to try to find what, how do you beat the Bearcats? Cause no one this year knows how to do it yet. And so look, the closest that anybody came was IU. It really, that's truly, they were the closest thing that came to beating us. And their, their way to do it was frankly, we beat ourselves by not scoring early in the football game, right? Streaky offense. That is our, that is our weakness. We saw it a little bit in this game, but I'm not going to fault them too much because you were up 35 to seven. What are you going to do? Come out and, and just be, yeah. you know. I'm not grading the offense in the third quarter after being up 35 to seven. Like there's, I, that's not I fair on the players. Like the same, the same way that you might start flipping channels or thinking about the rest of your day or, or, or deciding like, Hey, I'm going to go check out. Uh, let's see what's on HBO here for a few minutes while, while uh, UCF gets the ball back. I, players have those same types of mental lapses. Like when you're up 35 to seven, how intense can you actually remain? I, I do think this makes us the biggest SMU fans on earth. The rest of the season we need. No, no, not the rest of the season. Well, you're right for the next five <laughs> weeks. <laughs> Sorry. The next four weeks, we are the biggest uh, SMU fans. They're going to be playing at home against Tulane at Houston, at Memphis, home to UCF. And in those four games, we want to see them bulldoze those teams the same way that we are doing to everyone we play so far, because they're, they're currently 21 in the country, 21st in the country. And if this team can manage to pummel Tulane, get two nice road wins at Houston, at Memphis, and then finish off Central Florida, Maybe there's an outside chance they go into that game against Cincinnati coming to Nippert at or around that top 10 mark. And if they can sniff number 11, number 12 in the country, and they give Cincinnati like 
let's say number two Cincinnati, hopefully. If they give number two, maybe number one Cincinnati a, a top 10, top 12 matchup this late in the season for, for folks to be reminded that, hey, it's, it's, I know our competition level's down, but this team is going to punish anyone they come up against. One last, you know, one last message to send to the committee. I think that's going to be really, really helpful for Cincinnati because otherwise these are a bunch of very forgetful teams we're playing. And I get what you're saying. I appreciate what you're saying. What I don't agree with is I do not think SMU will be sniffing the top 10. Uh, I don't think they're going to get that recognition that they're going to be sniffing it. I think at, at best, at best, we're, we're, we're hoping for a top 15 matchup at, at the very best. I just don't, I don't see them getting that respect. Uh, so either way, I mean, teams, teams in front of them are going to lose Hubbard. They're going Teams are to gonna lose. lose in front of them, but even look at what SMU's doing when they're winning, they're still moving up one, two. They've been they've been struggling in the bottom of the top, the top 20 in the top 20 or top from 25 to 20 for the last four weeks now. No, no, they were ranked last week for the first time. They did not play this past weekend, and I think they still moved up three spots. Like I, I actually think there is an outside chance of them getting up into that 10 to 12 range. It's kind of a, a picking nits. All I'm saying is they need to remain winning. Like if they go undefeated, they remain a top 25 team. It's a nice resume building opportunity for the Bearcats against a team that at least has My bad. top 25 recognition. They've been there for three weeks. Okay. Three weeks. Three weeks. Week to week, they moved from 24 to 23. What are they at this week? They moved up from 23 to 21. They moved up without, without playing a game, without playing a game. All I'm saying is undefeated SMU. You know who else moved up without playing a game? Ohio State. Ohio freaking state. What the, f- <laughs> what the fuck? Sorry. I got to throw one out there. What the heck? So like, I'm as guilty as anybody is like hashing uh, or maybe like relitigating all this ranking stuff. I think we know what it is at this point. Are you really like, is it really a WTF situation? Are you really surprised? Are you, yeah, if, you're being honest, if you're being honest with yourself, are you truly surprised? There's a there's a six and oh Michigan team right behind them in the same league. Are you saying that you think that that AP voters are consistent always and there's never any sort of, you know, inconsistency in how they rank teams? I mean, absolutely. They're always the highest of integrity. You know, they set the standard for for what should be done when ranking teams. Um, no, absolutely not. It's, sh- it's shenanigans. What I do know though, you know, we've is, gotten way off track. We did not give this game. It's proper due. We just won 56, 21 and we're kind of shimmying past it because are, it's are we, isn't there, aren't there some more guys to celebrate here? Should we kind of, are, should we spend more time talking about the fact that Jerome Ford didn't run by himself and that the offensive line did block their asses off in this game and that, that was our biggest question mark coming into the season. And that by and large, it's a unit that has held up very, very well. Should we I mean, be talking about that? If we're talking about the offensive line, one thing we do know is that we came into the season. Uh, basically that was the biggest fear. That was the biggest question mark. It could be the thing that derailed the entire, the entire season. Um, and there were some concerns early on, I think when we were, we were looking at the play of the offensive line, uh, I think those fears have been mostly seem to be eradicated. Um, 
you know, I think they're doing a stand-up job. Our offense is, is humming. It moves along when it needs to move along. Um, they're giving Desmond time to make decisions, to step up into the pocket. Look, we don't see Desmond scrambling as much as he, as, as we're used to. We actually complain that he's not running enough because they're, they're actually they're They run deliberately instead of on accident. Um, you know what I mean? So, you know, he's not like, it's not scrambling for the first down. It's, it's a design quarterback run that, you know, a draw play that he's, he just delays and runs. Uh, we're not really having to see him scramble too much to make those plays. Uh, by accident, I think we're look. He got hurried twice, I guess, to officially last game. But UCF, I technically we only had two hurries. I think that's. I don't know how ESPN tracks that. To be honest, I feel like we were in there. We I don't were think. In yeah, I, would, I would get out of the habit of looking at a raw box score to assess their their performance. But I mean, both run block and pass block graded out quite well on Pro Football Focus. That's right. Week. We have a Pro Football Focus. We have now. Pro Football Focus. Like, yeah, I would, <laughs> I, would, I would shy away from looking at, at the box score itself, but also just trust your eyeballs. Like, look at what Jerome Ford was running through and, and how easy the lanes were and that he didn't have to do a lot of uh, breaking tackles and, and doing the unthinkable in this game. He was running uh, relatively untouched because our offensive line was blocking so well. So I think Tunstall on the left side of the line has been, has been a godsend. Uh, he basically took over for Williams after that or, and during that Notre Dame game. And he's been really, really solid for the Bearcats so far. Mets, like, let's give it up to him at guard. Like, he's really found his home and, and made himself comfortable there. I, all I'll say is, without being a, a, an offensive line nerd, like, I can see that our quarterback, for the most part, is protected well. And, and I think they are particularly good at run blocking. Like they are, they are a very solid run blocking unit. Ford is eating all day. He's, he's shouting them out online. It, it's clear that this team is performing. I'm sorry. This unit is performing at or above the standard they needed to, to make sure that the Bearcats could Bearcats could achieve the heights we want to achieve. Now their biggest test will always come against better competition. And unfortunately it's not like we have infinite number of, of measuring sticks to, to hold them to. The next time we see them against an elite unit in, on the defensive front, it's going to be in the biggest game of the season. So we'll wait and see until we have that moment. It's unfortunately a small sample size for them. But, but generally speaking, this question has been answered with a, these guys are up to, the, up to the task and they've done a great, great, great job so far this season. Speaking of our pro football, uh, what is it? Pro, pro football focus. PFF. Pro football, PFF. PFF account. This was the best game that they played. The offensive line played from a run block from a run blocking perspective. Right, but we also we ran for three hundred and thirty six yards in the game. Of course, it was like I don't even know if we needed the grades in this. I we saw the game and we bullied them. We we absolutely demolished UCF's defense in this game. UCF just didn't look like a good team. I mean, in all honesty, they just didn't. They looked outclassed at every position. It, they they got out coached at one point in the second half. I did notice that they started getting, you know, we used I think the term earlier in another podcast of like this is UC's team is not one that uses gimmicks to win, right? This was a by all accounts a very vanilla game that we played. Like we we weren't running fancy plays. We weren't the playbook was basically look like a smash mouth smash mouth football run the ball up the gut and it worked right. Uh, they started pulling out the the trick plays. Their first their first touchdown on offense they had. Uh, I think it was more like a, like a jet, a jet sweep type play basically ran like a statue of Liberty type play. And then they handed it off to a wide receiver who runs around the corner, just beats us for like 40 yards. Right. 
first play, all of a sudden, like, oh, they're busting out some different plays. Oh my god, they're gonna get gimmicky, and they started to all game. And but we held them. That's that's the thing. Our linebackers weren't getting fooled by it. Our safeties weren't getting fooled. No one was getting suckered into these these long plays. We were still able to hold them. At the end of the day, that's what I'm happy about. Looking, watching this team play, that we don't resort to that type of gimmickry. We don't have to do that. We can play traditional good football. We can just play solid football. We can rely on Des when we need Des to do Des things. We can rely on Jerome Ford to do Jerome Ford things. And look, we didn't even have Jerome Ford in for almost two quarters, and we still rushed for over a hundred. Like Montgomery had a, almost a hundred yards on the ground off eight carries. He was an absolute machine in the fourth quarter. We almost scored when we were trying to run out the clock. <laughs> right. I mean, this was, this was top to bottom, just an overmatched opponent in UCF. And so it's it, again, like we just don't have the best measuring sticks in these situations. I did think one thing we see, and, and it's not just against UCF, but against when we see it week after week after week, Beavers, DeBlanco and Pace are a hard hitting linebacker trio defensively. Like those guys. And I, I know our, our past defense gets all the all the shine. Kobe Bryant with the pick six. Ahmad Gardner's an absolute freak out there. Um, our, our safeties are laying wood, but those linebackers hit hard and they they are looking to to they are heat seeking missiles out there on the field. And I feel like they make their presence felt and we see it as fans every single game with how they how they tackle and how hard they're hitting out there. I love that you bring that up because something that was interesting that was brought up during the broadcast, they mentioned I think that like the defense has eight. I think they said eight potential NFL, NFL players, NFL yeah, players, a combination NFL of caliber, draft picks, unsigned draft players, free yeah, agents. Yeah. People that are going to end up on an NFL roster of some sort. And I'm sitting there thinking, okay, we know who the obvious two are, right? We got my J Sanders, probably first rounder. We got a Gardner first rounder, but dude, this, this defense is, it truly is stacked. This is a special unit. That's where this season start, is starting to feel different, and that's why I do think we're getting some recognition that we are. Uh, Mo Egger sent out a tweet, and he was calling out a fan who said that when we play on Fridays, NFL scouts, you know, they, they do it on Fridays because the NFL scouts won't show up on Saturdays. Did you see the amount of NFL scouts scouting our defense on Saturday morning? It was, it was insane. And some of them were there for Kobe Bryant. Right. Yeah. They weren't, you know, it wasn't I just mean, all it wasn't just all Sauce Gardner. It wasn't just all my Jay Sanders. They were there scouting the defense and how special that unit is. It's incredible. That leads me to believe that no longer are we just looking to crash the party. Like this isn't about me. And for me right now, it's not it's no longer about just making the college football playoff. Right. I want a tattoo. Right. So I want to win the national championship. Like I can I'm starting to get that like a little bit of that, like this, this is. Oh yeah, we're we're beyond the point at this. Like we're not talking just making the playoff at this point. We're talking about making it and winning the whole damn thing. That's where the conversation is at this point. When when you have a defense as good as ours is, this is this is the kind of season where you go into it thinking, why don't we win the whole thing? And we have an offense that's built on a guy, Jerome Ford, who reminds me, he kind of reminds me of James Hudson in that James Hudson really he had one season with the Bearcats to to make his name at UC and he came in left tackle and was absolutely elite became an NFL draft pick. And now he's a Cleveland Brown doing big things. Jerome Ford. Yes. He had last season, but he was, he was behind uh, Dokes. 
He was more of a change of pace back. He wasn't necessarily leaned on as much for the passing game and maybe not trusted as much in pass blocking. But now here he is this one season where he's the starter and he's going to go down potentially as the best running back in our history. You know, I know maybe you can have qualms of that about Pete and some other guys who have been through here, but in terms of talent and in terms of like what he can do on the field, I don't recall seeing anybody as talented or as freaky as Jerome Ford. Again, this week, you know, Brady Collins, the strength coach, puts out his, his top speeds from the game. Who's number one? Every single week, it's Jerome Ford, 22.51 miles per hour on the field. Number two, Ryan Montgomery at 21.65. Number three, absolute freak show, Sauce Gardner, 21.43 miles an hour. And that was probably on that chase down tackle at the end of the first half when, when UCF finally gained some yards. Our defense and our team are loaded with freak athletes, and it's a team that can go up against the best teams in the country because we ourselves are loaded with NFL talent. Loaded, and that's that's seriously what's actually getting me excited. As we're going through the season, we're watching these guys play. We're seeing we're we're seeing it play out, and you're sitting there realizing, okay, uh, Taylor, fucking crushing it, right? Receiving, crushing it, Pierce. Like Pierce is legitimately getting discussed as as not just like a draft pick, like a potentially like a second round draft pick on some people. Like he's getting some serious hype as like a legitimate threat. People are breaking down his ability to separate from from uh, from the defense. Yeah, so he's getting some serious recognition. You got Jerome Ford. You got some people discussing Desmond Ritter, and honestly, his progress. He's in my opinion, Desmond Ritter is night and day from this year. And last year, last year, he was good this year. I think he's, he's breaking the barrier to great. He seems to be more accurate. I think if you look at the stats from this game, they don't tell the whole story. There were three big drops that happened in that game that push him to, you know, instead of 13 and 23, he's, he's 15 and 16 and 23 with 200 yards. You know, maybe an extra touchdown on one of those. There, there are some big drops in that game that make Dez's stats look ordinary in this game. But there's but no ego. There's no ego with Des Ritter. He doesn't none. care. He's not going to whine. You're not going to hear a peep out of him about not getting the stats he wants to make sure he's a Heisman contender. He's going he's gonna to celebrate and be excited for Jerome Ford for that four touchdown first half. He is all about winning games. And it's why he's going to finish as one of the five winningest quarterbacks in the history of college football. I see people obsessed over this and that, what he can, can't do. He's a winner. It matters. Like there's wins are associated with quarterbacks in the sport. I don't care what anyone says. That guy is a winner and, and he doesn't mind seeing his teammates and seeing other guys on the team thrive at, at his expense at times. And it's the opposite of a guy like Spencer Rattler, right? Like we saw, you see what this guy's about. We've seen that viral clip of him in high school, kind of just being about the wrong things, not being a leader, blaming other people. It's not a surprise to see things not work out for him and, and having trouble working through it because it's more about me, the brand, the individual. Whereas with Des, it's about the University of Cincinnati football program. And all he wants to do is find a way to help them win games and, and win championships. Yeah, Des, Des's leadership is just, it's, it's shining bright right now. His star is, is so bright because he's bringing more than just his athleticism to the game. He's, he's a being a field general. 
He's being he's I think he's learned a lot from last year, the miscues that we had at the end of the Georgia game. He he's learned a lot. Plus, he has a freaking cannon, man. He can launch that ball down the field. And he's he's starting to show some flashes of some some real I don't like using the word like football IQ. He's just he's making a lot of really smart decisions. He's turning the ball over. He's not really turning the ball over that often. Like he's just hardly. making yeah, hardly. So you can't you can't argue with that, and that's what you need in order to be be to be stable. Like here's my problem with OU and with them being getting closer to us in votes in the with uh, with the AP is that they're flip flopping between quarterbacks. Like they're they're kind of they're yeah they're beating these teams, but the TCU was in that game up until the fourth quarter. Like they didn't that 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 score was way closer than what it what it comes out to be. This score was not close from the very minute that UCS stepped on the field, they were losing. And it was very evident from the first time, the first time we got the first time the ball hit, hit anybody's hands, it was done. Um, so like Des Ritter, that's great. Like you said, I'm just kind of going through the, the NFL talent. On yeah, the it's, side it of just, the ball there. It's, it's funny too. Like Oklahoma gets to play Texas every single season and tech beating Texas in football is like, I don't know the golden state warriors beating the New York Knicks in basketball. Like, <laughs> I get it. That's a big name. That's a, there's that franchise is worth a lot. They, they have history. There's a, there's a cool stadium, but they're not good. They're never good. They're always overrated. They never achieve the hopes and dreams that their fans think they're going to, or that the media thinks they're going to. They have, they have more media behind them and a bigger enterprise behind them to pump them up season by season and it overinflates what Oklahoma actually accomplishes. And again, if you just look at what they've done, kudos to them, they're undefeated, but they're not doing to their weak opponents what UC is doing to ours. Our closest game the entire season is a road win at Notre Dame, and we won by 11 and thoroughly dominated the game. There's no disputing where we belong. Ahead of Oklahoma, ahead of everybody at this point, except Georgia, the team that we lost to on a 53, 54 yard field goal, uh, basically as time expired, essentially that's, that's where we are. It's Georgia, UC one, two in the standings as it should be based on performance this season. Yeah. I mean, I don't think it's close. We're still, we're still look, we're, we're number two in the country. We are the second best team in the country as of today, but in the words of the great Ricky Bobby, if you ain't first, your last. We are coming for Georgia. All right. We're coming for them. We're on their heels. One mistake. We're going to be there to snap it up because we're playing as close to a perfect season as you can get to. We're doing everything that has been asked that to do. We scheduled our opponents, the P five opponents that we needed to schedule. We can't control that. Indiana went into a tailspin collapse, but heck they almost helped us out and pulling out an upset this weekend. They're still not a bad team. They're, they're, they're still just, not a bad team. Yeah. They're, they're a not, solid team. It was a road game and we beat them 38, 24 after falling into a, like a 14, zero deficit. Yep. Again, oh, domination. We've done everything that's been asked of us. We scheduled the opponents. We play and we beat a, a top 10 Notre Dame team. Look, who's still in the top 15, right? They, they won the following week. They've rebounded. For all intents and purposes, they are still a top 15 team. Uh, and then we come in and we're just we're thoroughly dominating and doing what we need to do. It's all they can ask of us. The thing I think that's different this year is that between like last year, the year before, we've had three straight seasons now. 
I don't know why I'm pausing on this stat here of winning 11 games or more. I guess you can't really count last year because of COVID because it was nine. So, you know, we had 11, 11. Yeah, we didn't hit the raw total, but it's just, it it was a point still stands. Yeah, the point still stands that we have the cat, we've built up the cachet and now we're showing it. Defense is dominating. You want, we, we didn't even talk about it yet for, for the second straight home game against UCF, a pick six straight to the house. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And we're not, and, the, and the home buzz. Remember, remember me and you worried a bit about what happens now after the hype and the, the exuberance of a win at Notre Dame. Are we as a fan base able to sustain this level of enthusiasm and support? I have no question. Now we're going to churn out sellout after sellout after sellout. The, the buzz is palpable in Cincinnati. I can tell you that Hummer people are excited. There is no shortage of support for this team and what Luke Fickle's accomplishing. Yeah, I mean, I'm going to apologize. I'm not going to mention him his name because uh, this could be completely wrong. I'm sure he's probably been to a Cincinnati football game in, you know, before. But I know that I got a picture, a text message this weekend from someone, you know, showing me that he's on the grid, showing me the seats that he has at the game. And I'm thinking, man, this is what it took. You're finally here. Welcome to the party. Uh, in the words of my my fellow, or I guess my ex Philadelphia brethren, there's always room on the bandwagon. I don't care. Come one, come all. Enjoy the season. If you're new to the new to the party, come on, enjoy it. Um, I want to talk about my favorite play though of the entire game. Sauce Gardner is a grown man. <laughs> Thank you for bringing this up. Right? Are we talking about this? Well, you, it was multi, there was multiple hits, but you know which one I'm talking about. Yes, please go on. <laughs> oh, I don't know who caught the ball. All I know is that he was he was murdered. Like I'm surprised they didn't have the police waiting to arrest Ahmad Sauce Gardner from for attempted murder because he hit him just so hard. While he ah. I don't even know how he did it. It looked like he just grabbed him with one hand, stopped his momentum completely, took two steps and slammed the, the receiver to the ground. In the meantime, the receiver's two feet are just kicking in the air. Like he's still running and doesn't know what happened to him. And it was just the one of the most beautiful tackles, beautiful hits I've ever seen in my entire life. Sauce Gardner looked like in that game a guy tired of being out of the action because nobody will throw at him like he's not allowed being part of the fun i'm just standing over here on the sidelines no one's letting me play i'm he's that he's the kid in in like lollipop soccer those four and five year olds who are running around the field with no idea what to do but there's always that one kid who just he scores goals at will he actually knows how to play the sport and so the the coaches have to say okay you got five goals now billy you've got to go sit on defense and be goalie and just kick the ball forward and stop there. No more goals. No more goals. That's Sauce Gardner on the football field now. And instead of waiting back there for the action to come to him, he's decided, you know what? I'm now going to show NFL scouts that I can actually tackle as well as anybody on the field. I am not a finesse cornerback. I'm not afraid to, to hit the line of scrimmage and bring someone down. He's bringing down running backs. Um, he's, he's someone who's just doing absolutely everything on the field. Elite, elite prospect. Um, like the hype, the hype for Sauce Gardner is not enough for as good as he is on the field. He is he is the best, if not top two in the country, cornerbacks in the country. Like his 
what he can do on a cover from a coverage standpoint and now from a run defense standpoint. Um, and then track down. Like I actually was impressed with his sprinting and not quitting on that play where Central Florida broke out a huge run in the first half. Yeah, the Rhino keep that little like that little yes. sweep, the the Statue yes. of Liberty sweep around the end. Yeah. He's the guy who chased that runner down and is able to tackle him. He can he's just an exceptional athlete. Um, he's gonna end up going down as one of the best football players to ever play at this program. And and hopefully he's he's thriving on Sundays as well. It really seems like he will be at this point. Uh, there's there is a there is a actually it's not even small. It's a huge part of me that really hopes that somehow he lands in Cincinnati with the Bengals, uh, and just because Joe Burrow and I don't I'm, this isn't a, obviously we're not a Bengals podcast, so we're not going to go down. But Joe Burrow seems to have some aura around him that it factor that hopefully he can the manage factor. To, Managed to bring whatever ineptitude ownership of the Bengals has failed to do. Maybe he can overcome that. I would love to see Gardner a part of that. Um, no, that was just, it was just incredible. There was another sequence too that I, th- and I'm trying, I'm struggling to recall it now because there's so much that that's happened since then, but I believe this was one of the, the first kind of like goal line opportunity stops for the Bearcats. Uh, I could just be misplaying. I just, I remember like we just, we had central Florida in such a tissy and what to do so confused with the way the defense was moving and that we just, we stuffed every single option that they had available to them. And it's like, wow, absolutely. Like it was like the, I was wowed by the defense this game. It was as thorough of a beat down as you could ask for. And the 35, seven score, it, it, probably wasn't even as representative as how, how much of a mismatch the game was. So honestly, there's not much more we can say. I I'm kind of glad we spent more time this week talking about the game and reliving the glory. That was this, this immaculate, we got, we got one more thing to talk about here. Okay. What's that? Fletcher. Oh, the, the magic punter. <laughs> and I know, I know, I know one of them was a kickoff. One right. of them was a kickoff. What, what, we're now but, on three consecutive games of some sort of muffed kick by an opponent. Notre Dame muffed a kickoff, but now it's been two consecutive games of a muff punt. He has not played since he's a freshman. He's played in two American games, two American athletic games. In both games, he has forced a muff punt. So this is, he's on track to be the greatest punter in the history of punters uh, at, at his current Sorry, pace. sorry, sorry, Kevin Huber. Move over. <laughs> he is he is good though, and 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 he's so you know lanky and kind of just like all limbs out there, uh, and and another Aussie. You know, I I love seeing the Aussies out there uh, representing. So uh, it, it's absolutely top notch. And uh, I, I think this is I'm gonna have my wife listen to this and decide if it's actually a good Aussie accent or not. We'll see. I might get critiqued. All right. So we know Jerome Ford is offensive player of the game. Right. There's, there's no argument there. Uh, who, who's the defensive player of the game? Who's the defensive MVP? Well, we've got, uh, we've got pace making multiple plays again, huge hit on the first drive interception later in the first half, but you know what? I'm going to give the, my personal defensive MVP, God, it's hard to choose. I got to be honest, but I'm going to give it to Kobe Bryant, a guy who got his first pick six as a Bearcat. He had never had a pick six before this, took it to the house, 
true nail in. The, I mean, the nail was probably in the coffin already, but this put the game at 42-7. Nippert's going wild in the second half. Rejuvenated the crowd after a pretty slow second half start. My my defensive MVP of this game is going to be Kobe Bryant. Well, I'm not going to agree. Uh, or sorry, well, I am going to agree with that. <laughs> I'm going to give a uh, the Phantom MVP award to my Jay Sanders because that was not offsides. Okay. <laughs> I'm sorry that you have such good reflexes and instincts that you are able to time to the millisecond, the exact moment that the ball is snapped so that you are in the quarterback's face. That was not offsides. That was a phantom call that, that I'm sorry. You're, you are, you are a impact on the field without putting stats on the board. Love you to death. You are my phantom MVP of the game. Shadow Warrior. <laughs> it would have been a box first score does, of the year. The box score does not know that you exist, but we do. <laughs> Is that right? Would that have been his first sack of the year? He didn't get another one, did he? No, I think that would have been his first his first sack. Uh, what was the um there was another one too? Oh, yeah. The UCF man. There's it's hard to this feels weird. All right. This feels really weird. I haven't had to bitch about officiating in a, in a really long time. And now I got one knock on him. What the hell is that pass interference call in the end zone when the ball's like 10 yards out of bounds? Yeah, I don't know. It set him up I, for the, it set him up for a score. They shouldn't have scored. It was, I think it was this, uh, it just, it, it irked me. Cause it's like, come on, what are we doing I, here? I'm, I have no energy telling for, him some pity? for, for complaints pity? about refs. Like it's uh, honestly, they, I haven't really noticed them. I don't think, uh, when you're winning 52 to three and 56 to 21, it's a little bit sour grapes to be complaining about officiating the, the week after. Well, I was secretly also hoping, you know, we wanted to be 70 to nothing, but <laughs> I didn't want him to be, you know, 14 or 21. Um, it did see it. I will say it did seem weird. It, it's strange seeing a two on the scoreboard for the, the opposing team, like a 21 getting into the twenties against our defense is not something that should happen. And it feels like they got to do it against us with one hand, one arm behind our back. My my last question for you, Evan Prater. Why, when we're bringing him in in these these games that we're we're crushing, we're dominating. Uh, why are we not letting him throw the ball? Is it? Wait, what 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 do you think the reason is there? <sighs> First off, he's extremely good at running the ball. Uh, second off, when he comes in, we usually have he only a ran it one time. He only ran it one time, eh, but we usually have a huge lead. And why? I guess it's probably a philosophy of why take risks, right? Like, what's what's the upside? I guess it's practice, it's reps, but you're playing against backups. Isn't it more advantageous to just march the ball downfield? Ryan Montgomery, Ryan Montgomery, Evan Prater, touchdown. Like, what's the what's wrong with that? I guess my thought here is he's gotten a chance to get into a few games this year, right? We more to know come, more to come, more to come. But we also know he is going to more than likely be the starter next year. Uh, and if we wish to continue to say, we have a chance for him to get real reps against teams that don't necessarily know his tendencies or play against him in practice, you know, and I, I maybe let it fly a little bit. I'm not saying you have to go out there and like, you know, run three pass plays, but throw one, maybe a series, go out there and let him get like four or five attempts, maybe 
just uh, get used to like picking out what, co- what coverages are out there, what they're throwing at him, you know, being, having presence in the pocket. If there's, if it's collapsing on him, make smarter decisions. It's just, I'm curious if the real reason why is because like you mentioned, you're up big and you don't want it to seem like you're running up the score. But if that's the case, it's college football. It doesn't matter. This isn't peewee football. You don't get a blue ribbon for, for sportsmanship. Go out but, there and just dominate and I, let him get some reps in. But maybe pick six, let him throw a pick six. Here's the galaxy brain take. Maybe the coaching staff knows the best way for us to run up the score is to have Evan Prater work as a running option, handing the ball off to Montgomery, but also breaking free for himself, knowing that we can move the ball straight downfield for another touchdown. Cause we did, we, we got did the garbage that. time touchdown. Uh, just running the ball. Like maybe they know that we can actually get those and bonus. It was style Evan points. Prater. It was Evan Prater who scored it. And it was Evan Prater <laughs> who scored it. So maybe just maybe the coaching staff is thinking here, Hey, we don't actually need to throw the ball to go score some additional style points for the, for the, for the, our beloved college football playoff committee. I guess I just, I, I guess it's just me being a fan wanting to see what it is we're in store for next year. Because uh, we have an opportunity that we get to see what's in store for us next year. <laughs> well, guess what, Hummer? I, I think you're in luck. I think he's going to have more fourth quarters to play uh, come up here, coming up here shortly. Uh, maybe even this week against uh, Navy. I think that Evan Prater should keep his arm loose, keep the legs loose, and he's going to get a chance to show what he's about going forward in just about every game. I got one last question for you. Do we have 10 minutes on basketball? We're like, we're like T minus 20 something days from first tip. And we've only scratched the surface Tuesday, Tuesday. We're We're hitting hard on Tuesday. We're coming. We're bringing it hard on Tuesday. We're going to try and keep distinct episodes for heavy basketball, heavy football. Given the state of the football season, we're probably going to let it seep into every episode going forward, but we're going very basketball heavy on Tuesday. Yeah, and I'm actually excited to see what the. Uh, I feel like I'm gonna have to get more aggressive when we bring Sam on with uh, with our unit spending here because I'm pretty sure I hit every single uh, unit dispersion this week. But your odds are starting to look real good for your your futures bets. And uh, frankly, I'm just gonna have to I'm gonna have to find a way to to keep accumulating. But um, I haven't lost all year. Yeah, Daddy's gonna buy an oceanfront condo on uh, in in North Carolina here soon. Uh, those those Bearcat. That Bearcat unit, which is a, a mysterious dollar amount for national championship play, that is that is looking interesting. Vegas has started calling me. They've started calling me and asking if I wanted to accept a payout on that one. I am going to be curious. That's something I want to follow up with Sam is, is when, when, do, when does Vegas actually get nervous uh, with some of those futures bets? Is it when, not, not to make the playoff, but like, all right, Cincinnati make the national championship game or Cincinnati win the national champion when do they get nervous when do they actually start being like all right we'll buy you out i know we're early we're not we're not there at all yet Um, i I gotta be honest Hummer. we're favored so heavily in every game i would be a little bit nervous at this point because getting in the in the playoff seems closer to a formality than it ever should have at this point now it's not a formality and that's unfortunate because i can't wait to see what the first college football playoff rankings are that has that has potential for all sorts of drama. This right? was like brought, that this could, was that brought could to go, my attention. 
we're going to we're going to do a show, by the way, the night of the first rankings, we are absolutely doing oh, a gonna, live, do live, a live reaction show. The night of the rankings that goes live the minute they hit. We are going live. Is that, is that a promise? That's a promise. Uh, I was going to say we did. We do have to realize like we're calling it a formality in our minds, but just like a mere two, three weeks ago, we were on the edge of the cliff preparing we're preparing for doomsday on what's going to happen with these rankings and how they're going to corruptly leave us out. So definitely sitting on edge here for two weeks to see if this does in fact play out where you see sitting at number five uh, behind two, one loss teams, uh, Shout yeah. out to AP voters for doing the right thing. Shout out. I will say Shout out. I, I've been the a huge coaches, critic the of their, of their antics. The coaches are there now too. They have us at three. AP has us at two. Um, we're rambling. Armor. We're going to cut it off there. We're, we're second in the country. We are a legitimate national title contender. We are a team that everyone in the country should take notice of. And that includes my mystery Georgia friend who maintains that Georgia will beat us by 20. That is a conversation for another day. This man seems to be forgetting a very recent matchup between these two schools in which, which went very differently than a Georgia blowout. So Hummer, we're going to leave it there. We're going to come back strong later this week. Until then, my friend, go Bearcats. Go Bearcats.